You're watching The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ MV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We got a special guest in the building. That's right. Dr. Umar Johnson. Peace My and brother. love. Peace, Peace and everything, love, bro? family. All is well. Glad Good to, to be back. Now, now, let's get right to it, man. In yes, light sir. of everything that's going on, mm -hmm. what are the solutions? I what think we've discussed the problem so much. What are the solutions? All right. Before I state the solution, I would have to challenge you on that. Because although we talk about the problems a lot, a lot of people don't understand how the problem operates. Gotcha. Let me give you an example. Take miseducation. Okay. People know the children aren't learning. They know black boys are not graduating. They know special ed is an issue. They know ADHD is a problem. But they don't know how this operates. Mm -hmm. They don't understand how the child goes from the classroom into the special education system. Okay. So they have to be taught how it operates. You follow? So we understand that police uh, genocide is a problem in the black community. We understand that uh, structural inequality, disproportionality, i.e. racism is a problem. But do we understand how racism operates? So I think that once you understand how the problem operates and manifests itself, you're now in a position to solve it. Mm. Someone comes to me for therapy. Before I do any therapy, what I do, a clinical history. Mm. Is there depression in your family? Have you been depressed before? Have you ever contemplated suicide? So I have to understand your background and how you've been living your life in order to solve your current everyday problems. So now, coming to the present, what we're seeing going on around the country, let's be honest. Africans were brought to America to serve, to serve. We're no longer necessary for the American economic order to operate. They don't need us to function. That explains the purging. That explains the ethnic cleansing. Even with that, all these Negroes making money? Well, remember now, when you look at the black folks who are rich, they are a small percentage of the general body politic of the community. You mm -hmm. understand? 85% of black folks are struggling. Half of our children grow up in poverty. Most of our single parent black mothers are poor, even with a burgeoning rate of black women earning their college degrees. Mm. So simply put, black America is suffering despite the television projection of success. Yes, we are more educated than ever before. We have the bachelors, we have the masters, we have the doctorates. But that, er that education has not taken place alongside an increase in wealth acquisition. We're smarter, but we still don't own anything. Mm. Well, but we, we know we're poor. We know some of us are not well-educated. We know some of us have a, a lot of problems due to where, where we're growing up in, in our environment. Yes. But, but besides all of that, mm -hmm. we got a bigger problem with racism. The way that other people look at us. I you agree. Know, you, you know what I mean? Because, but I'm not saying it's right, but the way we look at ourselves is bad too. Yes. You know what I mean? Because if I'm walking down the street and I see some brothers with some hoods on, it makes me think twice. Right. So if it makes me think twice, I know it's going to make somebody else think twice, but it doesn't give us the get does doesn't give them the right to put a. But that's based off your experiences, though. Like, it is like based you off know, my yeah. It's like, also based off conditioning. Mm -hmm. The conditioning is critical. Media is critical, right? To the social agenda of any country. You understand? You take Adolf Hitler before he did what he did mm -hmm. in, in in Germany. He conducted a media campaign that sought to destroy the image, the image of the European Jew in the German mind before the physical. Holocaust began. Mm -hmm. Same thing in America. Before you begin taking the black life, you must kill the image of the black life. Mm -hmm. So when you look at gangster rap, which plays a hand in it, mm -hmm. okay, when you look at mm -hmm. the way in which we're portrayed in movies, mm -hmm. when you look at the way in which we're portrayed on radio, 
uh, popular media, magazines. Uh, it is in a very negative way, as if to say these people, the world would be better off without these people. That's why so they once release you, people criminal records when exactly, they kill them. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. In other words, it's not so bad that he died because he went to jail anyway. Mm -hmm. So you have to kill the image before you kill the person. Why? Because people will take up for people who are unjustly treated. But if you can convince the world that we would be better off without these people by killing their image, then when the physical carnage begins, no one will care. How do we change that, though? How, how do we change the way that America looks at African-Americans? And how do we change the fact that these uh, racist individuals, racist police officers, stop pulling out the gun? See, I think it's you have to penalize them. Mm -hmm. Meaning, you know, it's kind of like a kid. You know, your kid does something bad and you say, OK, it's OK. He's going to continue to do it. Mm -hmm. But if you bust his ass, next time he's thinking about doing, he's going to be like, well, you know what? My pops is going to bust my ass. I feel like the police officers that kill African-Americans, just kill people in general, they don't get penalized for it. I agree with it. You're absolutely correct. For example, behavioral psychology, two basic laws is what? All behavior is a function mm -hmm. of the context in which it takes place. The American racial hierarchy, it's, it's a function of the context. And then it's a function of the consequences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You follow? Mm -hmm. So in other words, behavior never stands still. Whether it's you, whether it's a child, whether it's a country, whether it's the police. Behavior is always getting worse right. or it's always getting better. So when... Zimmerman wasn't punished for Trayvon. Right. That automatically created a context Absolutely. for it to happen again. Do, do you understand? Walter Scott, uh, Tamir Rice, it creates a context. Michael so the Brown. next police officer yeah. says, well, wait a minute. Sure, I can be a little bit more trigger happy because the last five black men and women, Sandra Bland, who were murdered by police were not held accountable. So when you do nothing about misbehavior, mm -hmm. then you're actually supporting its repeating now, itself. Now, what do protests do? Because people protest and they say, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I love the unity and I, and I love the unity of African-American people. I, I, I wish we could be more unified when it's not just a, a brother dying. But I feel like sometimes the protest, what is it getting accomplished? Okay. You know? And the reason I ask that is because, you know, you protest, you shut down a highway, there's an ambulance that's trying to get somebody to a hospital, that person dies in the ambulance. You know, mm -hmm. I'm stuck in traffic, I can't pick up my kid at 5 p.m. So what is the protest actually doing? Is it, is it going to make the cop look at us any better? Like, what can we do besides, I think, the protest? I don't know if the protest really works. Right, well, first of all, we got to keep in mind that the black person is normally dead before the ambulance shows up to get him in the first place. True, <laughs> true, true. So let's be clear on that. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing, Envy. Protest is the first stage of any political economic struggle. Right. Protest is your marketing program to let the world know what I stand for, what's happening to mm -hmm. me, and what I want. Protest allows you to control the public narrative about your struggle. Mm -hmm. Without the protest... The world doesn't know why you're doing what you're doing. That's so real. protest is important because it is your way to put out your message. Gotcha. So you can't do nothing without it. The problem with black people is there's nothing after the protest. Right. Do you understand? The protest becomes the goal instead of the means to the end. That's what I keep asking. What is the solution? What's the next action? Like we saw Well, let me tell you what has to happen now. Okay. Because now we're in a state of crisis for black America. Okay. Three things black America has failed to do which is going to keep this carnage machine in place, this police genocide. Number one, we have failed to publicly criticize and hold accountable the executive branch of the United States government, mm -hmm. i.e. 
President Barack Obama. Despite all the killings, despite all the murders, despite an unemployment rate and a dropout rate that is greater under a black president than it was under the two previous Republican presidents, black people have remained silent. Mm. Obama has ignored black folk. In fact, we are the only so-called minority population in the country for which he has done nothing nor has spoken significantly for our issues. Compare us to LBGT. They got three laws under Obama. Three. That is unprecedented. Mm -hmm. How many laws did black people get under Obama to protect us from police genocide or even to improve the schools or to reduce incarceration? Zero. Okay, they got a Supreme Court justice. Latinos got a Supreme Court justice. LBGT got a Supreme Court justice. President Obama had the opportunity to appoint the first African-American female Supreme Court justice, and he chose not to act. It's not all his fault, though. We have created a context where the president can ignore black people and get away with it because we told the entire world when he was elected that all he had to do was just be black and we were fine. Remember, he doesn't have to do anything but be black. That is the worst thing you can say as a marginalized oppressed group in such a racist country as this as to tell the world that the president the executive branch of the United States government does not have to be accountable for you. That's for any head of state, though. Any head of state yes. we elect, we need to push I agree. and make sure things happen. But Obama is the first president out of 44, the first one from George Washington up, that has not have to deal with any sort of public criticism from black people. Mm-hmm. And if he leaves office without any, here's the problem. If we, if we let Obama leave office without any condemnation from the black community, by virtue You cannot hold Hillary or Trump accountable for what they do not do for black people because you have now created a precedent where a president can come in for eight years, ignore you, even with police genocide and not receive any criticism. Make excuses, you know, and and I was always mad. I I was upset about this because I felt like he was our president, you know, and I, I felt like when certain things happen, I felt like he should be on the front lines because He's dealt and seen, and I'm sure he's been pulled over before. I'm mm-hmm. sure he's been racially profiled before. So I, it kind of bothers me when I see a lot of these individuals get shot and killed, and you don't really hear much from them. Exactly. Even to the thing with you know when he he flew back to go to the the, the you know the funerals and, and yes. speak to the the officers in Dallas, I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. But then I also thought, well, what about Baton exactly? Rouge? What about exactly? Minnesota. Exactly. What about Ferguson? What He's about not going to do that because President Obama understands something that most blacks in America do not understand. The first business of America is racism. Let's be clear about something. Most white people in America, mm-hmm. okay, are also suffering economically, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm white mm-hmm. in a country based on white privilege, what is my claim to fame if I don't have a decent education, don't have a good job? For many white people in this country, their only claim to fame is the fact that I can say I exercise privilege vis-a-vis black people. Obama understands that. So America is held together by the fact that the poor white man understands that he still exercises a privilege that the rich black man does not. And that's what, what Donald Trump is reminding them. Donald Trump's reminding all the people. Oh, Donald white Trump people. changed the game. And let yeah. me tell you why. They, The United States uh, power structure underestimated the impact of an unapologetically honest fool over the American electorate. Do mm-hmm. you understand? Mm-hmm. In other words... Trump is saying to white folks what white folks feel. Poor white folks, too. Yes, poor white folks. So you got a rich, wealthy white man appealing to poor white folks. You've never had that. But it's working because he is unapologetic. He's ignorant. He's a fool. 
but he's honest. Mm -hmm. And white folk can respect and identify with a white male who's willing to be honest. In other words, Donald Trump intentionally made sure he was the polar opposite of Barack Obama. Look at Obama. You ask Obama a question, you don't get an answer. You never get a straight answer from Obama. It's always what we got to see. Let's see what the Americans think. Now, go back to George Bush. George Bush told you what he fit, what he felt. He was another idiot, but he was honest. Mm -hmm. Trump is honest. The reason white folks are not rallying behind Hillary the way that the power structure wants them to is because Hillary is the same old thing. She's Clinton all over again. She's Obama all over again. Correct. She's a Bilderberg. Talking She's politically points. correct. Yeah. Her whole message is scripted. Trump's is not. So the issue now is how do we engineer an election where Hillary wins? Because right now, Trump is carrying the momentum. See, remember now, people don't choose the president anyway. Mm -hmm. But you want the people to choose the person you wanted. So the illusion of democracy continues to prevail. America is not a democracy. America is a republic. That's why when people pledge the flag, and I hope there's no black boys pledging the flag, but when people pledge the flag, they pledge the flag to the republic. The word democracy is not in the pledge. The word democracy is not in the preamble. The word democracy is not in the Constitution. Mm -hmm. The word democracy is not in any of the 50 state constitutions. So why is America called a democracy when it's really a republic? Because it is the illusion of inclusion, a belief that the people actually control its leaders when it does not. So with that said, right, for, for as much as we know that America has a, a history of racism, institutionalized racism, systemic racism, why did Barack Obama become president? Why did Barack they allow Barack Obama? Excellent to become question. Pre okay, every president that is elected is given a domestic mandate and an international mandate. There's something they need you to do domestically. There's something they need you to do internationally. Mm -hmm. For President Obama, his international mandate was to reopen Africa's resources to Western exploitation. Right. George Bush destroyed the economic conversation between America and Africa. And as you know, Africa is the richest continent on the face of the earth. No country can survive without it. If you have a cell phone, laptop, television, uh, a car, airplane, it requires a substance, a material called coltan. The Congo is the number one producer of coltan on the globe. No Congo, no cell phones. So America needs Africa. Bush destroyed the relationship, though, with the African Union. With Obama's father being Kenyan and his mother being white, you understand? Mm -hmm. He was the perfect person to put in the White House to reopen up that relationship with Africa, which he has done. Okay? And through AFRICOM, which is African Command, President Obama has successfully recolonized Africa in the name of Western financial interest at a rate we haven't seen since Africa was under colonialism. So he succeeded internationally. Mm -hmm. That was the international mandate. Get the money back from Africa. The gold, the diamonds, the oil, the coltan, get it back. He got it. Some people will say that Barack oh, didn't. What's uh, the domestic mandate? The domestic mandate. Mm -hmm. The reason President Obama was made president domestically is to brainwash and manipulate black America long enough so the American power structure could take every civil right that our ancestors fought for and give it to every other minority group. So by the time Obama leaves office, all of our rights will be have taken from the other minority groups and we will be back in the 1960s Jim Crow style. So how does that work? Because I keep looking at the Constitution like, did they remix it for black people? It doesn't apply to you anyway. Yeah. Remember now, when the fourth, remember the 1865, you get the 13th Amendment. You're free, okay? 1867, you get the 14th Amendment. Equal protection under the law. But the 14th, excuse me, 1866. But the 14th Amendment isn't ratified till 1868. Mm. You know why? Because you need two-thirds of the states to ratify an amendment. They said, we're not giving black folks equal protection under the law. So what were you between 65, emancipation, 
In 68, ratification of the 14th Amendment, you were simply a resident, not a citizen. Black people in America today are still residents, not citizens. And mm. we confuse the words liberty with freedom. Liberty and freedom are not the same. White people have freedom. Black people have liberty. Mm. Freedom is the ability to make decisions without external control. Liberty is the ability to make decisions because an external control gave you the privilege. Do you mm. see the difference? Mm -hmm. One of them, you got people doing what they want to do. The other, you can do what you want to do within these constraints because we still own you. That's exactly why Abraham Lincoln emancipated the slaves. Emancipation simply means to let go from bondage. It also means a transference of ownership from the individual to the state. They never eliminated slavery. They just transformed it. Now, now, people would say that Barack Obama did Obamacare, which helped a lot of African-Americans get health care. They would say that he did that for African-Americans. They would also say that he opened up the White House to a younger audience. That's your audience. shirt, by the way, Thank you, my college tour. It. Thank you, appreciate it. They said that, you know, that he would, that there are stuff that he does for the African-American community. They say his hands are tied behind his back. Mm -hmm. it, there's no support in Congress. They mm -hmm. said he's opened up the White House to uh, musicians, artists, mm -hmm. to kids that normally wouldn't get a chance to see the White House, wouldn't get a chance to be in the White House, mm -hmm. wouldn't get a chance to learn in the White House. They said he's done a lot for youth. You okay. Know? Do, you, do you agree? Or? I totally disagree. What has Obama do to do to change the uh, intentional exploitation of black children in special education? What has Obama done to increase the rate of African-American teachers and principals? What has Obama done to modernize the schools in predominantly African-American school districts? What has Obama done to reduce the suspension and expulsion rate of black children? I don't care how many Negroes are dancing in the White House, singing in the White House, and cooning in the White House. What have you done of substance systematically to improve the quality of life for black folk as you have done to improve the quality of life for Latinos, immigrants, and LBGTs. Have you, have you ever seen a good president in your lifetime? No, you, you can never do that yeah. because America is based off racism. It was founded on racism, which is ironic because when you listen to CNN and I was watching D.L. Hughley with mm -hmm. the little piece that he had, they always talk about playing the race card. You understand? That is the most misleading concept I've ever heard of, playing the race card. When we was brought up here in slavery, Okay, was that playing a race card or was that racism? <laughs> that was Do you understand? Word up, word up. America is racism. From slavery to segregation. America is Jim racism. Crow. When Birth of a Nation came out, the first major motion picture, which was a story about how letting black folks out of slavery would simply destroy the social context of America, guess where it was played? In the White House. The president had a private viewing of Birth of a Nation. Right, you know, oh, so did, did Nate Park in that Turner movie? No, 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 no. He re okay, he sarcastically named his Nat Turner movie after the original, the original okay, birth okay, of a nation to take hit at it. Got you. Yes. But, you know, a lot of people, you know. And we well, was at Nat Turner Land two days ago with the college tour. You know, a lot of people say that, you know, that's not necessarily true. You know, that they say that HBCUs are not warranted now, that they should be, you know, historically black colleges are not needed. They say, you know, exactly. the NAACP is not needed. Exactly. And where did that racism? argument come from, Envy? Well, the argument came from since you got a president in a White William House. said the other day. So I, I wanted your opinion on what you felt about HBCUs and the NAACP because she feels like it's not necessarily warranted, that it should be open to everybody. And that it's Let not me needed. say this. As long as something is being done special to the black man and woman, something must be done specifically for the black man and woman to counteract that. So, for example, earlier when you said the Obamacare and things like that, mm -hmm. there are black folks who benefited from that envy. But in order to help us, you have to do something specifically for us because our history is specific. We're the only people in this country who are not of white skin who cannot be deported. 
which is the central challenge of the black predicament. What did W.E.B. Du Bois say? He said the number one problem of the 21st century will be the color line. I'm going to take it a step further. The number one problem of the 21st century in America is what do we do with 40 million black folks who we do not want and cannot deport? This is why we are kept from realizing our true gifts and talents because you cannot be sent back to Africa. Slavery psychologically destroyed your connection to your mother continent. For example, Chinese can be sent back to China. Latinos can be sent back to Cuba, Puerto Rico, or points beyond. Okay, an East Indian can be sent back to India. Okay, an Arab can be sent back to whatever Arabian nation from which they come. Where do you send African-Americans back to? Because I'll be lost to in Africa. Because your psychological connection was destroyed. Mm -hmm. You understand? So what do you do with these people? Chick-fil-A in Africa, bro. Cut it out. What do you do with these people <laughs> who you do not want and cannot deport? You must create a system of genocide from within that seeks to remove them. That's why mass incarceration will never change. This is why people keep saying... They spend millions of dollars on prison. It costs less to send them to school. So why are you spending this money on jail instead of sending them to school? Because this ain't about money. This is about an America that is free from right. black people. Mm. Police extermination feeds that. Uh, abortion, which is the number one killer. Most people don't understand this. More black babies are murdered in the stomach than they are on the street corner. And why? Because a black woman growing up in poverty with already a couple of children seeing how hard it is to make ends meet is probably going to think about potentially terminating that pregnancy. Mm. It's not a moral issue. It's a political, economic, white supremacist issue. Why bring another life in this world so they can only be murdered by the police like Trayvon? Or just struggle in the hood. Or just struggling in the hood. Do you, do you think the issue with cops is a black-white thing or a police? Without question. Or, or a police abusing power thing? It's both. Remember, when slavery ends in 1865, there are no national incarceration systems. Most states didn't even have a fully functioning prison system. Guess when they created the prison system? In 1865, that's when they gave you the first statewide prison systems. Why? Because we got 2 million black folks, excuse me, 4 million black folks. We just left out of, out of slavery. They don't have jobs. We're not going to give them any. So that means they got to do what to eat, Envy? Rob and Rob steal. steal. So we're going to create vagrancy laws. If I catch you stealing anything, guess what? That's a felony. I'm going to put you on a chain gang, and you're going to be on a chain gang for 10 years for stealing a lollipop. This is what they did. You could go to jail for not having a job. You could go to jail for being homeless. They made simple, petty offenses major Felonies. So that from the beginning of so-called emancipation, the prison system existed for one reason, to remove black men from the society. The jail is a slave ship that sits on water, excuse me, sits on land instead of water. But here's the point I need y'all to get. The reason we're struggling so much as a people is because we're not given systematic access to wealth. Let me give you an example. Chinese, Arab, East Indian, they, get, they come to America. They can walk into any bank and get a loan. Mm -hmm. Not all of them, but many of them. In fact, some of them don't even have to get a bank a loan from Wells Fargo, Chase Manhattan, or Bank of America, and I'm just using them uh, 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 to make the point. They show up in America with a long line of credit from their native country. They come into the ghetto, open up 10 stores, five supermarkets, three hotels. Black folks still struggling. And then people look at us and say, you know why you're struggling? Because you're lazy. The Chinese guy over here been here five years. The East Indian been here uh, 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 10 years. Um, the, the Arab only been here eight years. He got five gas stations. What's your excuse? Let me tell you what our excuse is. We are systematically denied access to wealth. Do you understand? So we can't build that hospital they built. We can open up 10 supermarkets. I can't get 10 gas stations in three weeks because you're going to routinely deny me access to wealth. You'll give me a small business loan. And here's the quicker. Let me ask you a question. Why would they give you a loan for student, a student loan for college? They'll give you a car loan for the car. 
They'll give you a loan for your house. So you can get a mortgage loan, you can get a student loan, you can get a car loan, but you can't get a, a business loan. Wait a minute now. The education is going to cost me 100 grand. The car is going to be about 70 grand. The house is going to be a quarter of a million. Why do you approve that, but you don't approve the business loan, which is probably for half the amount? Because if I finance your empowerment, that disrupts my system of extermination and genocide. Mm. You cannot kill a people who you are financially empowering. Mm. So we are kept without access to wealth. That's why the hood is full of mom and pop stores. That's why the hood is full of struggling businesses, because America has a policy where you do not empower black people for their own benefit. Any other minority? Yes. Why? Because if they get out of hand, they could be sent home. The black man cannot be sent home. Slavery is older than, is older than America. America was born on July 4th, 1776. Slavery in the colonies began on August the 20th, 1619. Now, now with that said, how could an economic boycott work? Because we were talking about this this morning. I don't think it's going to work. Yeah, we boycott. Where do we go? We don't have black-owned businesses to shop Listen, an economic boycott would be a very, very powerful agenda move. I don't think it's going to work because we don't have that type of commitment to each other. Listen, when Dr. King led the Montgomery bus boycott, Mm -hmm. 381 days, not a single black person rode the bus. They said the elders were walking on their bare feet because they couldn't afford to buy new shoes. Could you imagine if you went out here and told these Negroes in New York, that you're going to boycott public transportation? Well, I go back to Philly and tell the brothers and sisters in Philly, we want to uh, boycott public transportation. They will look at work, you like bro. you're crazy. Yes! I, no, I, I think they would if we had a leader. See, I, see, I think with, with, with us, who is the leader? Who do we look up to? Church. And why is church leadership not, so popular? Not, but Envy, here's the question. I agree with you. But sarcastically, right. why is church leadership so popular in the black community? Because church leaders are the only leaders who don't ask you to do anything they except show up and give money. They sell, they hope, sell hope, not hope. substance. You're not going to follow. If Dr. King was in America today, I do not think Dr. King could achieve half of what he achieved 50 years ago because you're dealing with a new Negro who has no obligation to the collective, no interest in the progress of his people, and is intensely egotistical and individualistic about his pursuits. We don't care about racism until it knocks on our front door. I agree with you on that, and I'm going to tell you why. I feel like back when Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X and those guys was fighting, black people really had nothing. We all Zero. understood yes, we that we were nothing. oppressed. Now some of us got things, and it's like, ah, And it confuses the political... Yeah. Look, mm-hmm. if I'm a politically uneducated African-American, not illiterate, just politically uneducated, I got Charlemagne, Envy, and Umar. They doing all right. Over here, I got some brothers and sisters struggling. I'm confused because I'm seeing some black folks who are struggling. I'm seeing some who are all right. So maybe it ain't racism. Yeah. Maybe it is us. And then when America prop up certain bourgeoisie Negroes to uh, uh, defend the system and say, stop blaming the white man, it's you, 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 you understand? You don't move. What do people do when they're confused? They stand still. Mm. Black America is at a standstill because they don't know if they should listen to the Sharptons and the Jessies who say racism does exist, but it's not that bad. Or do they want to listen to Dr. Umar who says that until you overcome the racism, it's going to be difficult for black people to really live a life that a man and woman was put on earth to live. They're confused envy. And so what does America do? Who do they put on TV? They only put on TV and radio the leaders that they know are going to do nothing but echo the sentiment of the government. That's why, like, when you look at organizations like Black Lives Matter, and I take nothing away from Black Lives Matter, I do think that there's a role for protest and agitation. But if all you're going to do is protest and agitate, and you're not constructively building anything for the community, 
You understand? Mm-hmm. Then you're absolutely at the end of the day of no benefit to people because we don't just need alarmists running around chasing racism whenever it rears its ugly head. Right. We need you to acknowledge the racism and then turn around, come back to the community and build something. See, the problem is what you said is people people need leadership. When I say leadership, they need to know what to do. You mm-hmm. know, and, and the reason I say that is is we can sit up here on the radio mm-hmm. all day long and, and, and what's the first thing Charlemagne said? What do we do? What can mm-hmm. we do? See, if, if Martin Luther King said, we're not going to ride the bus. Right. Black people say, okay, we're not going to ride the that bus. That ain't true, but they wouldn't but, do it for long. What? You know how I know that? Remember when Sean Bell got killed? Uh-huh. I remember we all walked, this is when I was working with Wendy Williams, we all walked out of Wendy's show, bunch of us. We all on 33rd Street, we holding hands, we blocking off the highways. As soon as those police pulled up and was like, all right, if y'all don't move in five seconds, we're going to start locking people up. I mean, no justice, no peace. They got the five, and we start seeing they really locking people up. Everybody, literally. I got to get back to work, man. I can't afford to be in no jail. And what are you pointing out? Mm-hmm. You're pointing out something that is at the nexus of the black struggle. If you do not break the law, you do not change the law. Right. Mm. Study history. History is made by those who have broken the law. Mm. Let us keep in mind, Martin Luther King Jr. was once a felon. Mm-hmm. Frederick Douglass was a felon. Harriet Tubman was a felon. They were wanted as fugitives of the law for exercising their conscience to do the right thing as opposed to obeying laws and regulations put in place to keep black people in their place. If you're not going to break the law, you will never change it. The problem with that is what, Charlemagne? A Negro with three master's degrees or a doctorate degree ain't interested in breaking the law because he got a note on a $100,000 Benz. Mm-hmm. You understand? He got a mortgage on a corner of a million-dollar house. He got a child he put through college. He is not trying to subvert his personal agenda for the greater good of the community. And that's our problem. Many of us are not willing to subvert the personal agenda for the greater good of the but black now, Charlamagne, community. If there was a leader, if there was a Martin Luther King, per se, that stood there and when the cop said five seconds and he said, I don't give a going to lock me up. Would you still have ran back to work? A lot of people would have still ran. Because you got to have the leader and the people ready people, at the same boom. time. This, and, this, this is the thing. Reverend Al Sharpton was there. Right. So my, in my mind, I'm looking around like, oh, Rev, Rev ain't get locked up yet. Rev ain't holding hands He's part yet. of the power structure. Yeah, but he did He did eventually later on. But, but by that, that time, we was, a bunch of people had left. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah he's a part of the power structure, though. <laughs> so he has to operate a little bit differently. That's why you didn't see Al Sharpton in Minnesota. Uh, you didn't see Al Sharpton down in... Uh, was the other Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge. Explain, explain the power structure. He's a well, well. Here's the thing. Every president of the United States has a black HNIC, a head Negro in charge, somebody who they use to basically control the political behavior of black people while they're in office. For Bill Clinton, it was uh, Jesse Jackson. Uh, for George W. Bush, it was T.D. Jakes and others. Uh, for President Obama, it was Al Sharpton. In fact, Al Sharpton met with the president of the United States more than any other black leader in the history of America, except for potentially. Frederick Douglass and Martin Luther King. Okay, but now Obama is at the final stretch. He only got about six months left in office. He's no longer in need of Al Sharpton to control black vote because he's pretty much done now. In fact, bringing Sharpton out now could potentially hurt the Democrats as Hillary makes her push. That's why he hasn't endorsed anybody. Exactly. And that's why Obama is being very careful with what he says right now, because now it ain't even about him no more. It's about securing the presidency for the Democratic Party. So when Obama, and and, and simply put, Obama more concerned with Hillary getting in that seat than he's concerned about black people staying alive. Now, now okay. let me say this real quick. We have to have a public boycott against President Obama. A lawful public boycott against the president where he is publicly criticized by black people for doing nothing for them for eight years. If you do not do this, our grandchildren will suffer for it. 
because he'll be the first president to escape black ridicule, having not done anything for us. That is a serious paradigm shift if we let him leave that office with no public criticism. Number two, we have to have a demonstration and we must publicly criticize the United Nations Office of Human Rights because the United States government is guilty of crimes against humanity. They have constantly violated the Human Rights Convention of the UN without any repercussion from the world's governing body. So we got to go down to the UN and demonstrate. Okay, number three, we need to take America to world court, charge them with genocide. The Geneva Convention of the 1940s clearly describes what genocide is. It is any systematic program put in place that seeks to harm in part or whole an entire group of people that manifests itself as unfair treatment. Um, um, unnecessary homicide, okay, or any other quality of life issue that significantly diminishes that people's ability to live a comfortable life. America is guilty of genocide. America is guilty of war crimes against black people. And America has consistently violated the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights. I'm saying that what we need to do is we have to stop fighting this issue as a civil rights issue which puts us under the jurisdiction of America's courts, we must now see ourselves as what we are, prisoners of war amongst a hostile government and appeal to the world court for rectification of the situation. We will not get justice through America. We must internationalize the struggle, which means we have to go to the African Union because I want to know why Ghana and Nigeria, South Africa, Zimbabwe is an exception because Robert Mugabe has been speaking up. Ethiopia and all these almost 60 African nations have said or done nothing about the systematic genocide of their brothers and sisters in America. Don't call yourself a Pan-Africanist. Don't call yourself a Pan-Africanist African Union if you see us over here struggling and you don't speak out about us. Marcus Garvey said, a strong man envy is strong anywhere. We suffer while we suffer because we don't have a nation strong enough to look out for us, Charlemagne. Mm. Why you think Chinese kids aren't killed by cops? Why do you think East Indian children aren't killed by cops? Why do you think Arab children, even with the war on terror, are not killed by police? Because they have nations around the country who will stand up and show out if America disrespects any one of the international citizens. We're the only non-white group in America who don't have a nation willing to come to our aid, and that's why we suffer. I agree with a lot with what you're saying, but I know for me, when I look at President Barack Obama, it's hard to critique him in front of white people. Which is something I got to get over. He's ignoring you in front of white people. He's letting your kids get killed in front of white people. Here's the one thing I thought Obama should have done. He should have ordered a United States Department of Justice investigation into the systematic genocide of blacks in America by the police. I'm not asking you for a law. I'm not asking you for an executive order. I'm asking you to put the Justice Department on this and let them investigate. But instead, do you know what Obama been doing? He been treating every individual act of police genocide as an isolated incident. So the Justice Department is saying, we're not gonna get involved. We're just gonna be here in case the state needs some support, but we're not gonna get involved. What is the job of the president? To ensure equal protection under the law, to guarantee the 14th Amendment for black folks. He has not done that. Why hasn't Obama put the Justice Department on a systematic investigation of national police genocide? Oh no, he don't want to do that because he might look too black. And that's the last thing you want to look when you've been put in office by white people's money. Especially if you've acknowledged the fact that it is systemic racism. He has done that. But has done nothing about it. Yeah. Which is why the best thing that can happen for black folks is for him to exit that White House. I can't wait till the next president gets sworn in. You know why? Because as long as the face on white power is black, it will give the illusion that these killings are just individual acts of personal uh, uh, prejudice. Mm. But once the face on the White House becomes white again, 
It is crystal clear to the whole world that this is white power killing black people and not black power killing black people. Well, you know, Michael Eric Dyson wrote a book about that, and he said that one of the reasons Barack Obama can't get a lot of things done for black people is because he's black. And the, no. next, and the next president who comes in, whether it's Hillary or Bernie, who's white, can do more for black I people. I agree with that. White yeah. people have more freedom to operate because white people are financed by white money. Yeah. Black When black people are financed by white money, you are constrained. There's some truth to that. However... In your last year of office, you have a little bit more elbow room to put some things in place to help particular groups of people. Again, I got to go back to what he's been doing for every other minority group. He's even fought for illegal immigrants. People who are not even citizens, Envy, got rights. We ain't got no rights. But it's our fault because we created the context, as you said earlier, with the black colleges, that race don't matter no more. What we need black colleges for when we got a black president? What we need the Urban League and the NAACP for? What we need black fraternities and sororities for when we got a black president? I'll tell you why we still need them. Because a black president has nothing to do with the general climate of hate and animosity that the everyday black person suffers from in this country. You change nothing when you put a black face in a high place. In fact, that's called tokenism. And tokenism go back to the days of slavery. If it didn't work on the plantation, it ain't going to work today. You think a lot of that has to do with the fact that a lot of us don't know where we're from? Because if you're a Chinese, you still have something to stand on. If you're East, yes, Indian, you, you have, have that. You have on. that psychological we, connection. We're, we're just, we, all we got is America. So and us, we're American. We should be treated as Americans. But if you choose to identify as American, it's not that difficult to learn from whence you came. We all walk that road. But when you have been convinced that white people are better than you, when your subconscious has been programmed to believe that white is right and anything black should automatically get back, you will never get to the point where you even want to investigate your history because you've been already been convinced that you have none, which is why for me that white Jesus picture is one of the greatest weapons of mass destruction in the black community. When a black boy or girl goes to Sunday school and look at a white Jesus from birth until age five, mm. by the time they go to kindergarten, they have already been convinced that if God is white, then it's okay for the president to be white. It's okay for the judge to be white. It's okay for the CEO to be white. It's okay for the police to be white. Because if God is white, then all white people must be of God. And it puts you in a subservient posture. And if God is white, then the devil must automatically be black by mm. contraindication. Which is why black folks got to stop worshiping a white Jesus. You cannot talk about black power giving your child the deity of an enemy for worship. No people worships the, the worships their deity in the image of their enemy or oppressor. No one does except slaves. And that's exactly what we are. Because you can take the slave out of slavery, but until the slave takes the slavery out of himself, he will never be free. Which is why I think now, we suffer from more post-traumatic slavery disease now, Charlemagne, now, than we did when slavery ended. 150 years later. How can you say it's worse now than when slavery ended? Because in psychology, there's something known as a delayed onset of illness. Someone gets raped during a car accident. They might have no side effects. Ten years later, now they're having dreams of the traumatizing event. So I believe that when slavery ended, we walked off the plantation. We were hurt, but we really didn't understand how deeply it impacted us. And what you see going on in black America now is the delayed onset of our psychological illness of self-hate, given full expression to what it is. I can see how that could cause more trauma because when you're in the change, you can see, okay, I'm confined. Exactly. When you're out of the change and exactly. you still feel confined, you're like, what the hell is going on? Exactly. Right. Because all human experience takes place through the what? Six senses. Mm -hmm. So whatever you cannot see, you're more likely to believe it don't exist. This is why black people find it hard to understand racism because you don't see it. And why is that? Power is mostly felt, never seen. 
It's like you walk in a room and you can feel the racism, but you don't see nothing. But you can feel it because power is felt. Power don't have to reveal itself. You feel me. You don't have to see me. Now, uh, David Banner got into it with Life Jennings because I guess David Banner feels we should retaliate with guns. Shout out to uh, Dave. That's my good brother. Okay, let me say this. And let me deal with what was said since I wasn't there when he said it. I am not a proponent mm -hmm. of armed physical struggle by black people against the United States power structure at this day and time. Why am I not? Because from a military science standpoint, and I study military history, the worst thing you can do, Envy, is go to war with your oppressor when you do not manufacture any food to sustain your troops, you don't produce any means of weapons. If we go out here and, and, and go into a war, where are you going to get your guns from? Where are you going to get your bullets from? How are you going to feed your family? All they have to do is cut off your supply line. No one has ever won a war without a guaranteed line of supplies and food and resources. We have none of that. We have no international allies. So people say, well, Cuba did it. Cuba stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with America, told JFK to go to hell, and Cuba still here. You know why? Because Cuba had a big international ally known as Russia that America did not want to go to war with. So because America respected the power of Russia, they had to leave Cuba alone. You feel me? It's like being in the lunchroom. Somebody picking on you, but you got your big brother. They want you, but your big brother, like, you mess with him, you got to mess with me. That's what Russia did to America. That's why Cuba's still here. We can learn from that. Build up our international allies. Now is the time for us to disidentify as African Americans, which doesn't even exist. It's not a legal word. It was invented by Jesse Jackson in 1988 to make us feel that we were equal. So now you got Chinese Americans, Arab Americans, Asian Americans, African Americans. Envy, that term is very misleading. Let me tell you why. Because you cannot be the slave and the slave master. You cannot be the oppressor and the oppressed. You cannot be the victim and the victimizer. You cannot be the rape and the rapist at the same time. How can you be African-American? How can you be the God and the devil in the same body at the same time? We are the only people in America, okay, whose humanity was codified by law. A lot of us don't get this, Charlemagne. Do you realize you're the only people in world history who are not even considered people? We had to fight to prove we were human beings mm. before we could fight for freedom. People leave that step out. It wasn't a fight for freedom. It was a fight for humanity, then a fight for freedom, then a fight for equality, and now we at stage four, a fight for survival. Mm. You're the only people who was not allowed to learn by law. You're the only people who are dehumanized by law, okay? And you are the only people who the world benefited from your enslavement and did nothing, absolutely nothing about it, but the entire world benefited from you. So black people don't owe no explanations to nobody. They owe them to us. But before they can be external reparations, there has to be internal reparations, which is what I think y'all hitting at. Yes, we know white America owes us, but you'll never get from the outside until you do from the inside first. As we complain and beg for money, we gross a trillion dollars a year. Do you know what? We're the 10th richest nation on the face of the earth. We spend a, there's only a nine, trillion a year. Pop, there's only nine nations in the world yeah. that make more money than blacks in America. So why we ain't got our own schools? Why we ain't got our own hospitals? Where are our banks? Where are our supermarkets? Just, Where are our You just farms? broke down why. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Lack of access to wealth. But the other thing, this is where the rich blacks coming at. This is where the rich blacks coming at. How Harvard and Yale mm -hmm. were given a mandate from the United States government to liquidate some of his assets. You know why? The alumni of Harvard and Yale was giving so much money back to the institution that its wealth rivaled the wealth of the United States government. Yeah. Do you hear that? So the government stepped in and said, y'all got to get rid of some of this wealth. That's why those universities created this minority scholarship where if you got a 4.0 perfect SAT, you go to Harvard and Yale for free. Mm -hmm. That was part of the settlement with the government. You cannot be richer than the government. Look at the HBCU struggling. 
Now, we just finished the college tour today. Mm-hmm. Okay, we went to Dell State, uh, Maryland Eastern Shore, Cheney, Lincoln, uh, Hampton, Howard, uh, Norfolk State. We went all over, right? Some of them schools are struggling. All these black celebrities, why can't two or three of y'all sponsor a school apiece? We only got 105. Here's 105 HBCUs. Divide that by, let's say, the great 600 wealthiest black folks. Each three of y'all take one school. I'll tell you why, though. You know, you know why with most celebrities, you got to think of it like this. Can you name five, I'm, I'm going to say musicians in, in hip-hop, five hip-hop musician celebrities that have been to an HBCU before or even been to college? Other than to perform. Right. <laughs> can, you, can you name one? Nah, not other than to perform. Now, you throw in performing. I mean, Diddy the only one I all can think of. But if you, if, if, Diddy, Diddy's the only one, and, and he didn't graduate from Howard, but Diddy. Right. And then, you know, J. Cole went to St. John's. Yeah, I Oprah went to, went to uh, Tennessee school. State, I believe. Is it St. John's? Well, St. John's is not. Yeah. Hampton, I went to Hampton and graduated. But other, other than that, can you name them? I liked Hampton, too. Hampton people, was strong. Hampton a lot was of people, strong. A lot of these celebrities went to these, a lot of these rich mm-hmm. white individuals went to these schools, yeah. graduated and give back. and give back. Not the but blacks. But you can't name that many. Nah, I agree with you. I can't name any. I can't name one. Take Howard. Howard is like, quote unquote, the black Mecca. Now, there's a lot, there's a lot of people in the industry from Howard. Not celebrities. Oh, yeah, they per showed se, us. But yeah, I mean, say, so many people came. Yeah. I didn't know the brother who played the Black Panther in Iron Man versus Captain America. Chadwick Boseman. He's from there. Yeah, he I didn't Howard. know that. But anyhow, Howard is 40% non African American. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because they have to appeal for financial support from non African sources. So if I'm going to give you my money, you definitely going to open this population up. You see. So how what is that 40%? We already have an HBCU in the uh in Kentucky, a uh, Bluefield State and HBCU. It is now predominantly white, Charlemagne. A HBCU predominantly white. Mm. They had to open up its population to non-African Americans who are now in the majority cuz they needed the money. And I'm not going to condemn our celebrities, but they can step up. Nobody's going to criticize a black celebrity for saying, "Listen, I'm going to be an official sponsor for this HBCU." But they don't do it. But they're not alone. Let's be honest. The average brother and sister in the ghetto struggling today would turn a back on the black community if they became rich tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Because as a people, we have lost our collectivist spirit. We have lost our sacrificial energy. And we do not identify with the race. We do not identify with the community. We identify with ourselves. That's why religion and sorority and fraternity is more important to most of us than our own people. But I think a lot mm. of people are scared of their own people. Like a lot okay. of people okay. are scared to go back to where they came from, are scared to mess with the people who they came from because they feel like they're going to get got, they're going to get robbed, they're going to put themselves in a situation that they don't want to be in. You know, I, besides, look, I go to the hood. I, I make my money from the hood. I'm gotcha. in the hood each and every day, whether I'm DJing, whether I'm talking to the kids. I make it my business because if it wasn't for the hood and it wasn't for people like LL Cool J that came back to his hood, that I can see somebody that's really made it. If it wasn't for Run, if it wasn't for Nas, if it wasn't for 50, if it wasn't for Steve Stout, I would never have seen Clue. I would never have seen a success because I would have never seen it. Gotcha. These people came back to where I was from. Gotcha. When I'm riding the bus, when I'm taking the dollar van, when I'm walking on Jamaica Avenue and I'm seeing their cars and I'm seeing their jewelry and it's giving me a sign of hope like, damn, I can do it as well because they came from where I came and they always come back. You know what I mean? But there's not too many of us doing that. There's not that. too many of us that's doing that. And not just the music entertainment, but even when you look at celebrities and other aspects, you know, entertainment, economics, we have celebrities that run a full gamut. Most of them don't give back. And a lot of that is fear. And I agree with you. Some of that is fear of how you will be treated back home, right. jealousy, animosity. But some of that is also fear of what the white power structure can and will 
do to you if you align yourself with your own community. For example, I know some agents in the sporting industry who have made it quite clear to me that when NBA and NFL uh, black superstars are drafted into the league, they're put through a seminar. Not just a seminar about not having a bunch of women and not wasting all your right. money. They're also put through a seminar to be careful about going back home. Not for fear of being robbed, but for fear of appearing too black. Looking too black can be very bad for your career. I seen it with the OJ story. Yeah. I seen it with the OJ story. Yeah. But OJ was never black, though. OJ was never yeah, black. Yeah, he was on some bullshit. OJ you, was, but we had to stand. Let me tell you why we stood. OJ, OJ was a stone cold well, That's sell. how I feel about Barack. Had, what oh, you were about oh, to say is exactly but, how I feel oh, about Barack. But oh, Barack Obama was. is not being charged with a capital crime that could put him in jail for the rest of his life or ultimately see his life taken. But There's a difference. Were, but Barack and OJ were both wrong. OJ I agree with OJ. that, but OJ could have lost his life. You understand? And the difference is OJ was not chosen by black folks to be their leader. Mm. There's a big difference. Obama was a leader. Yeah, OJ, got OJ was just a OJ personality. Black, he got mind fucked. He, 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 they made it seem like it was better on the other side. And OJ. Well, that's was most black side. people. They think white ice is cold. But but, but 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 what do we learn from OJ Simpson and Bill Cosby? We learn that no matter how rich you are. And no matter how much you identify with the system as a black man or woman, when they make up their mind that they're going to get you, they're going to get and you. And there's you nothing you can do to stop it. Look at Bill now. Bill made a career out of defending racism. Mm -hmm. Bill made a career out of telling black people, people to stop yeah, uh, uh, picking on white folks. And look what happened to him. Okay? And don't get me wrong. I do not trivialize sexual violence against women. As a therapist, it's a big issue. And black women are more likely to be raped than women of any other culture. But... As a therapist, I got a little bit of an issue with a woman who was sexually taken advantage of 30, 40 years ago when this man was at the top of his career. He was the most popular and powerful black celebrity at that time. I mean, yeah. And you do not turn him in then? You wait 40 years later until he's old, and then all of a sudden you decide that now I'm going to bring this to justice. I think that I can't say it's all unfair and unfactual, but I think that to an extent— to an extent, what is happening to Bill Cosby is systematic of the white injustice that I, black people suffer from. I, on a regular I agree basis. with that, too, because I don't care how rich and how powerful you are as a black man. If you rape a white woman back then, they would have loved to tear Bill down. So that's a part of me be like, I don't know how true mm -hmm. all of this is. But Bill Cosby learned what a lot of rich black people need to learn, that your money and your affluence and your ascension into mainstream white America does not change who you are at the end of the day. None of us progress unless we all progress, which is why I say what must be done for black people has to be done by blacks. This is exactly why it must be us, because whenever you let non-Africans into the organization, we will automatically start looking to them, Envy, for support and help and assistance. This mm -hmm. got to be done by us. Self-determination. Let's end with a concrete solution. Concrete solution is, number one, we have to march on the White House. Number two, we have to march on the United Nations. Number three, we're going to have to march on the African Union. And number four, we got to build black banks. Without black banks, you're not going to be able to finance a black infrastructure project within the black community. We have to build new black Wall Streets. And the way you do that is through black banks. So we all got to take our money out of all the major banks, put them into a black bank, and now we all have access to the capital that's, we need. That's what killing Racism can only affect you to the extent that you are dependent on white folks for your survival and livelihood. And there you have it. My man, Dr. Dr. Umar, Umar Johnson. Johnson. Always great talking to you, bro. Thank you, my brother. Appreciate it. All right, it's The Breakfast Club, Dr. Umar Johnson. Hey, 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 hey. The Breakfast Club. Every weekday morning, tune in.